0: for another episode of Believe in Kentucky. Appreciate everybody tuning in. My name's Benny Hardy. Got A.G. Aaron Gershon in here. Now it's football season. We got a former player in here to drop knowledge with us on a regular basis. Been on this podcast a couple times before. The former QB one for Kentucky. Back when Coach Duke first arrived, Jalen Whitlow is in here going forward throughout the football season, man. Jalen, we glad to have you. Glad to have you back. And we finally got a game to talk about, too.
1: Yeah, man, glad to be on. Uh, you know, definitely got a lot, a lot to talk about. You know, what what happened and what's coming up, man. So excited to jump into it.
0: Yeah, it was Miami, Ohio. Which didn't you play them too? When that Stoops' was first yeah, was Stoops' first win. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah actually, you know, um, yeah, my sophomore year, that was our our first home game and our first win. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that was Coach Stoops' first, you know, first
0: win as a Kentucky head coach. So. Uh, yeah, I, I definitely remember that game. Yeah, it was hot that day. Me and my dad and my little boy went and it was it was roasting. <laughs> yeah, it, it, was, it was blazing hot. I remember that. <laughs> For sure. So uh I think like they won that one 42 to seven or something like that. It was it was a blowout.
1: Yeah, it was yeah, it was
0: uh it was it was a it was a blowout.
1: Uh, we you know we we threw the ball well that game, you know, and, and Max threw the ball pretty well too. Uh, you know Jeff Bidette had a couple big plays that game, um, and you know I think Zadarius Smith had like, four
0: oh. sacks. yeah, he had like four sacks. So, uh, but yeah, I, I remember that game very vividly, man. Yeah, and this past Saturday we had thirty-seven to thirteen, had some spark plays in the second half. Ag, I know you were in the box for it, so mm-hmm. you had a, you had a good. Bird's eye view of the, the, the kickoff return, the sure. scoop and score and all that stuff. So,
2: Yeah, it was exciting. First kickoff return touchdown uh, since 2009. So first one in the stoops there, first one since Derek Locke uh, in 2009. So uh, Barry on Brown after the game pretty much said he he knew of that stat and that he was going to do it. They were laughing about it. So uh, really good to see the, the return game. That My big – I mean – not biggest takeaway, but I think one of the, the big things in this game is the special teams was so good, and that's such an underrated uh facet of the game for me. I mean, you saw obviously the kick return touchdown. You had Tavion at a twenty three yard punt return. Ruffalo hitting from fifty. That's not something he's always been able to do. So uh, it was really good to see the special teams unit perform. I thought after the first drive, the defense settled in and played a pretty good game. Um, and then we'll we'll put there's a lot to talk about offensively. Uh, I thought Will was pretty good, but obviously the uh the protection is uh, is definitely a little bit worrisome.
0: Had a block punt too on the special teams. Yeah,
2: block punt. That's right, JJ. Who uh, he looks he looks way quicker this year too. And I mean, he had a great year last year, but he's obviously now almost two years removed from the ACL as opposed to eight or nine months. And you saw it on the punt block, and you also saw it on that sack he had in the second half. He exploded off the edge.
1: Yeah, I think the big thing when I when I saw him it was good to kind of see him without any uh, knee braces or any shoulder uh, straps on. You know, I think that's always big, especially when you look in the trenches in the beginning of the season. Um, it's good to see those big guys without any, you know, braces on. You see a lot of shoulder straps because, I mean, those guys in the trenches, I mean, it's a battle in there. It's, it's physical. Uh, so that was good to see. So, I, you know, I think uh, if they can stay healthy on defense, I think they can beat just about anybody on the schedule because um, I think that, you know, they're going to continue to jail. So uh, that's going to be something to look forward to.
2: Yeah, the defense is deep and no injuries on that front. Trevin Wallace was out, actually, on Saturday, we learned, but should be good to go this weekend and no injuries. And I thought defensively, man, the star of the game, Alex Afari, for a freshman, uh, the way he played that nickel corner spot, I mean, that's not an easy position. Uh, And he looked like a seasoned bet out there.
0: He was setting edges and and, all the – veteran type stuff that you wouldn't expect to see him be that far along and you know like he'd been out there and and just been there and done it already (laughs) yeah he he was flying around
1: for sure i remember yeah
0: he was he was
1: physical with the two
0: that's good that's good to see though Mm -hmm, absolutely now jalen we hear this every year you've lived it so from your perspective we, we always hear a team improves most from week one to week two. So tell all the listeners why why that is is that is more than just coaches saying something. What what actually takes place to cause such a dra- dramatic improvement from week one to week two? I think, you know,
1: because you know college football is the only sport where you don't get a preseason game or scrimmage. It's the, it's just the only it's the only one where, you know, NFL, you got it, high school you got it, even youth sports, you got it. Uh, I remember middle school, we had scrimmages and preseason games. Um, so it's, it's the only sport where you don't get a chance to kind of uh, shake everything up and, and see what, what sticks. So I think the biggest thing is you get a chance to really see how things flow, um, especially with a new coordinator uh, on the offensive side of the ball for Kentucky. But you just get a chance to see, okay, what are our guys actually good at? Because when you're in camp, you're going against get the same two, three, four guys if you play left tackle, and you know those guys. So, and those guys know you. So it's kind of a different deal now when you're playing against new guys every week. Um, you get the chance to see, okay, this guy actually have a deficiency in this area uh, that we didn't really get a chance to scope during camp, or this guy is actually have, has a strength in this area that you know we didn't necessarily see. Um, Or, you know, it could be, you know, it could be a combination of both for one guy. Um, And also for a coordinator, you kind of get a chance. You're talking about a guy who came from the NFL. He's been calling plays in the NFL, coaching NFL guys for a while. He get a chance to really see, okay, what can these guys actually handle in the game plan? You know, they have school, you know, pro guys, they don't have school. The most they do during the week is, you know, some of them may have children to take to school, but rest, you know, they're in the, the field house or in the facility the whole week. So, You get a chance to get a gauge for what guys actually can handle, what can – you know, what can't they handle, what your quarterback like, what your quarterback don't like in a new offense, what your quarterback like with certain receivers. Um, Because you see some – you know, I saw a few inaccuracies on Saturday, and we can't always put that on the quarterback necessarily. Uh, It could be offensive line getting pushed back in certain spots based on certain protections that they may throw out. You know, there's some protections that, you know – uh, Scandrello may just throw out for Florida game. It's something that he yeah. may add. And I saw an interview from uh, Levis to saying that they had they had some stuff that was, you know, they were holding back that they didn't they didn't show in the game on uh, on Saturday. So I think that the, the week one and week two jump is huge because you you know things kind of settle. Um, you know, certain guys, you know, you see, you know, frankly, are not ready for this moment. Certain guys that you probably didn't think were ready are ready. Uh, so you know you just get a chance to see a lot of things. You go back and watch the film. You make the corrections. And um, again, you know, especially those freshmen. Freshmen usually make huge jumps from week to week, right? Not just week one to week two, but week two to week three, and so forth and so on. Because you know it's their first time in action. So it's it's a lot. It's a lot that go to it. It's a lot of uh, it's a lot of variables that go into that week one to week two jump. Uh, then you get guys injured. You know, and you got to kind of you know figure out, and it's almost, you know, you hate to say this, but sometimes it's almost not a bad thing, especially with a room like your running back room to kind of narrow it down to a couple guys Yeah. And get most of the reps. You know, not saying that you want guys to get injured, but, you know, when you got a lot of talented guys in one room, you can kind of narrow it down and say, okay, we got, you know, we got a guy injured, we got Chris out or whatever. Now we only have three guys that we really, truly count on. Now we can really put all the reps and practice on these three guys. And and quarterbacks can get comfortable throwing to these three guys. These three guys get comfortable with the audibles, with the checks. Mm -hmm. Uh, You're comfortable with seeing certain looks, you know, on certain plays. Because they may run a wide zone play, and the defense may do something. And if you're a third or fourth string running back, you may see wide zone against a 4-3 look with this particular stunt, you know, most of the time during the week. But you get in the game, and they show something different, and you got to make a different cut. And you just have you don't have that bank rep in your head. That rep is not banked in you. So when you get in the game, you may make the wrong cut because you used to seeing this during practice or during preparation. So it's just a it's a lot that goes into it, man. And uh, you know, but yes, there is true. Like, you know, most of the time people make the biggest jumps between week two, I mean week one and week two, especially the younger guys.
2: Yeah. You're definitely going to need that from the offensive line. I think uh, that was the area that fans kind of came out concerned with. And uh, I think one thing to keep in mind, there's not much continuity yet. You lost three guys to the NFL. Uh, Kenneth Horsey was a little banged up. But uh, what do you think of Mark Stoops shaking it up a little bit this week? So Kenneth Horsey is going to get the start at left tackle. He's moving over from left guard. He's played a little bit of tackle earlier in his career, but was that left guard all of last year. Um, Jagger Burton will stay at left guard Stoops said he played a really good game outside of one missed assignment that led to a sack Uh, and then everyone else is the same Uh, of other notes David Wallabog moves over to right tackle he's the backup behind uh, Jeremy Flax and there is an expectation for uh, Keontae Goodwin to get much more playing time uh, this weekend
1: yeah I think uh, you know it's all about finding that like, like Stoops mentioned this today and this is another thing for week one and week two. You get to find the, the the right five. Yeah, right? because you may have a guy that's better at left tackle than he is at guard, but you need him at guard because you have somebody else that's been at left tackle. He's actually good at left tackle, but you need this guy at guard for this particular time. So this is about finding the, the you know the right mixture of guys because yep. at the end of the day, you just want to get your best five on the field, just like basketball at the end of the day. If we're running a five-guard system. We just want to get our best five basketball players on the court, and it's kind of like that at offensive line. So, um, you know, I think that's that's a big thing, and that's going to help. You know, with Horsey being back and healthy, that's going to help uh, kind of relieve some of the anxiety from the quarterback. Uh, because you know, when you don't when you don't have the guys that you should have in there, mm-hmm. and people can say whatever they want to say, but it, it does affect you. In a way. It's in the back of your mind, you know. Uh at quarterback, you just want solace in the fact that you can trust the guys around you. So that's gonna be that's gonna be a big deal, uh, having those guys
0: having those guys, you know, in the right spot in there. Now I know you listen to all the interviews and, and the pressures too, and like like Stoop said, everything isn't always as good as it seems or as bad as it seems. So a lot of people wanted to kind of say, Oh my god, the big blue wall is getting tore <laughs> Was it, from what you saw, and they seem to say, too, this thing's pretty fixable, was it as bad as it seemed seeing Levis get sacked that many times by that D-line when you know you got Florida next week? Was it as bad as everybody, as the fans want to make it seem like?
1: Yeah, I I, I don't, you know, when you watch the game, yes, it is. It's terrible. Because, you know, (laughs) your your potential first-round draft pick is getting uh, getting hits on him. And I can tell they went into that game thinking we don't want to run Will at all. They went into that game with a certain mindset. You know, You know, it's just what it is. But, yes, it is bad on the surface. But when you watch the film and as a coach, I used to always go back and watch the film. like, it's really not that bad. We just need to coach this guy up. If we get this look, then we should be passing this off here. Or, you know, maybe it's a, a simple footwork fits or maybe it's a simple uh, alignment fix or communication call, it's not always as bad as it seems because it's something that's really simple that can fix it. And now, you know, ke- you know, the players got a more clear vision of what's supposed to happen. And now when you're not thinking, you can just let natural ability take place. You know, Kentucky recruited, you know, extremely well. Office line been up for how many, however many, uh, yep. you know, what was it, Maxwell Awards?
2: Joe line, Moore at Maxwell, yeah. yeah.
1: Um, whatever that award is, for o- OL, forgot what it is. But, uh, you know, they recruited well, so they got the players. It's just about finding the – you know, making the right – again, that's where the week one the week two jump come from. It's a new system as well, right? It's, you know, a lot of similarities from last year, but at the end of the day, they're doing some new stuff. I've watched the game a couple times, and they, you know, they're doing new things on offense, you know, and things that's a little bit different with the splits, especially for the receivers too. So, um, I, I don't think it's – you know, when you go back and watch the film – I don't think it's as bad as it seems, you know, from when, when you're watching the game live, you're like, man, this is not, <laughs> but when you, when you, you know, as a coach, you know, I'm sure they're in there like, you know, this is a fix right here. Also, we're missing the guy. So, you know, we make this correction, you know, we move on. So um, it's just about getting those guys reps and making sure uh, you are trying to get every, every scenario you possibly can during the week. So when they see them in a the game, they can just let natural ability to take over and it's not allowed processing going
2: on yeah absolutely and I think one of the telling things with this game was uh we went through Mark Stoops's press conference after the game and there was not one question about Will Levis and how he played um I think obviously that that speaks that he did his job but um really I think my positive takeaway is I thought the decision making was a little bit better outside of the one pick uh in the red zone that just can't happen but the, the thing I wanted to ask you as a former quarterback and I asked uh Coach Stoops about this today is there's you know will levis has a special velocity on his ball i mean that's something the nfl scouts will drool over but uh in the 20 yard catch coach said that's got to be caught by isaiah cummins but there's also the balls that are you know the five to 10 yard plays, like the one to Justice Dingle, where Will is rifling it in there, and you just got to put touch on the ball. How mm-hmm. tough is that? How tough an adjustment is that? I mean, you got to obviously, you need your receivers to catch the ball, but you got to put them in, you got to <laughs> just take a little bit off of it. You don't right. have to be the hero every time.
1: Yeah, I, it wasn't as tough as, as an adjustment for me because my one wasn't that short. <laughs> So, uh, just being honest, like, it, you know, for me, I was, I was, I was never a a hundred mile power. I mean, I I didn't say I had a, I'm not saying I got a weak arm, but it was, I mean, he is like, he will go to NFL right now and have one of the strongest arms. Yes. Um, So it wasn't that big of an adjustment for me, but yes, that is a key point. And I was watching Florida game. And Florida quarterback had one as well, where I'm like, we were, I was sitting and watching the game. My brother, my brother also played division one quarterback, um, and we were sitting there watching the games like, man, there's a lot of guys out here who don't know how to tempo the ball, right? You got to be able to tempo a ball, even on a slant route. When you got a slant open, if you're early with the ball, you don't have to rifle it all the time. Yeah. You can, you still want to throw a one ball, which is a, you know, a line, but you don't have to necessarily, you know, you don't have to, it don't have to be a complete fast ball in the bottom of the ninth inning. You can, you can tempo the ball in there. Um, so that was the thing. And like Stoop said, when he threw the interception, I think he just didn't see the guy. Sometimes you die Brian. in the red zone, and you can tell he really didn't see him because he didn't put a lot of muscle on the ball. So he thought that he had the guy open. So I don't know if he saw the defender. Uh, he thought, you know, sometimes, you know, you got linemen. Some of those linemen are like 6'5", six, 6'6". Six, six. So <laughs> blocking your vision, so you didn't necessarily see him. So you just kind of, you know, put a little touch on the ball and, you know, a guy make a play on it. So, you know, it's it's definitely a, you know, it's a nuanced position when it comes to throwing the ball. And I always teach our quarterbacks, when we're throwing the running backs on certain routes and we're throwing the tight ends always, especially in high school, the kids we're dealing with in high school, we don't want to one ball it all the time. We want to make sure we're on time and we give them chance to react to the ball if, if, the, if the ball is off. We give them time to reaction time is what we want to give them. Because, um, you know, those guys a lot of times are 240 plus pounds. So they may not have the agility uh, and the, 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 you know, the aerodynamics of a guy like Tavion Robinson. you know, so you gotta be, you gotta be um, real careful how you, th- you know, especially on the nakeds and boots, when mm-hmm. you just dump it to the tight end, you gotta definitely, uh, you, you gotta add some, uh, some softness to the ball and make it, make it more catchable. So, I just think it's one of those things that he'll continue to get better at, but um, you know you got to get better at it quick because you know next week's going to be you know you playing a, a faster, a better defense. So, yep. um, but I think they'll, they'll they'll fix that.
0: So you have the the pick to uh, you know where you, we just talked about where you just they didn't see the defender, and he maybe took too much off of it didn't didn't zip it over there played to the opposite side, the touchdown to Dane Key, where he hummed that thing. Yeah. You wonder, like, man, how did how he even get it to him? Yeah, so, I read it, that thing. You know, one play to his right, one play to his left, both to the, yeah. you know, short corner of the end zone. But just, you know, he's saw solid defender there. Is, is that what you think it is, the difference where he saw a guy and didn't see a guy, or is it more to it?
1: Yeah, and sometimes, you know, again, like when you're at, when you're playing a position, especially when you're throwing the ball over the middle, your natural instinct is to rip it because you don't want to put air on the ball over the middle, especially on those end breakers that they like to run. You know, I watched San Francisco from last year. And he, obviously that's where we come from. They like to run those yep. digs and uh, Some of them are play action. Some of them not, but you want to, you want to rip those balls to them, uh, you know, on those end breakers because you don't want those safeties, you know, beaming down on them uh, when they, if they're waiting for the ball. So, Uh, he had a couple in there that he threw that was like, you know, and that's why so many scouts were at the game the other day. Cause you know, it's just not many guys on the planet who can throw the ball like that. The way he throw one balls is, you know, it's not many people who can, who can do that. So, um, you know, he got to use it. It's, It's a time and a place to use it. And I thought he had a couple of them where he used it in the right, you know, in the right setting or where, you know, receivers, you know, it takes take time for receivers to get to catch that, but Dan Key is gonna be he's gonna be oh. a star though. Uh, yeah he's gonna, he gonna be a star. If he if he can continue to add some strength, uh, which he will and with the strength staff over the next two, three years, he's gonna be he's gonna be a real deal. But yeah, you know, it's times, you know, where he used it and now I was like, yeah, he probably should have used that. That's that's when you wanna use it, especially throwing across the middle.
2: That was probably the most exciting aspect of this game is how good that wide receiver group and skill position uh, group played. I mean, obviously, Davion Robinson, uh, 103 yards after the catch, 136-yard day, first 100-yard receiving day of his career. Uh, you mentioned Dane. That's the one thing that stood out with me. And he's going to get even stronger. He's already really good at making those plays in the middle of the field and going up and get those balls. That's what I saw all of, you know, every open practice, every – Uh, during the spring game. And then on Brown's kind of the burner in that group and, you know, special teams player of the week. So, really impressive stuff. And I thought Chauncey Magwood made a nice play in the end zone on a throw that was a little bit behind. Yeah,
1: Yeah, and I was just about to talk about Chauncey. I I remember watching him in high school down here. Um, In my opinion, he's going to – I think he has a very high ceiling. You know, um, he's in a good receiver room where he may not get as many balls as he – probably will want every receiver, you know, they all want hundred catches a game, but I think, you know, he, he's a guy who I think he has a very high ceiling though. I think he's, you know, play a high school, played quarterback in high school too. Um, So, you know, he got a certain understanding of space, uh, spatial awareness and, you know, how to, you know, kind of find space in the defense. So, um, but they, they got a room, man, you know, Barry Brown, when I saw that kid return. I was, and he, you know, he was wearing number two as well. So I was like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's right. you man, gotta love like, that. Yeah, but um, they 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 definitely got a room. Now it's just about getting those guys on the same page. You know, and some of them are young, but it don't matter, man. Nowadays, it's not this not this not no. college football from you know pre two thousands or even pre two thousand and ten. This is two thousand twenty two. These kids nowadays are getting trainers at age eight. <laughs> and, you know, they're, they're playing 707 football year round. Almost. So they're coming in college ready to play. So it don't matter, you know, it don't matter if you're a freshman or not. You know, can you play is at the end of the day? The biggest thing is, you know, the volume of concepts that's in the offense for receivers and quarterbacks and running backs. Can you handle the concepts?
0: After that, you know,
1: if you're talented, you're going to play. It don't matter if you're 18 or, or 22.
0: Because it was a little a slant, a little incut cut To key, and he kind of slid, and it was back and up and behind. Yeah, Yeah. to me me, that was just as big time as the touchdown. And I was yeah,
1: that was yeah, that's that's the play that that's you know stood out to me Um, because it was pretty good coverage. It Mm -hmm. was almost you know the defender almost made a play on it. Yeah. Uh, So, uh, but yeah, yeah, you know, like I said, they got they got talent, man. You know, (laughs) it's a it's a talent. Like Stoop said, it's probably his most. He didn't want to say it's his most talented receiving room, but it is. Oh, it is. Uh, yeah. Know, but I, and it's not even that close, uh, to be honest with you. Because I think Tavion Robson, he don't have the speed that, Ro- that Wandale had. Um, or Wandale has. Because he, uh, sure. he's good at the NFL, too. But um, but he he's a good receiver. You can tell he got a natural feel for space. He got a natural feel for concepts. He understands what's going on. The game isn't moving too fast for him. Uh, you can just tell by the way he plays. So, um
0: you know, I think, like I said, the sky's the limit, really,
1: man. You know, they got they got the
0: talent. And going back to the quarterback position, your your spot, after having said all that we said, Will Levis still said that he's never been more disappointed. Yeah,
2: that's why yeah, I asked him how he played, he played, and that was the answer.
0: Performance, three TD performance in his life. So yeah, yeah go ahead, Ag and and Jalen, man, y'all. The mindset.
2: Yeah. Yeah, when I asked him that, he said he was the most, like you said, most disappointed he's ever been. And I think, I think, and, you know, I asked Scaranvello that too. And it was just kind of what Jalen said, you know, just missed opportunities. Like there were plays that could have been made, um, you know, not seeing guys, not seeing things he thought he should have thought, saw, and some throws that, Were to the left that he got bailed out on. I think he was just a little frustrated with, with that, but uh, he was very happy. And I think everyone was outside of the pick, which might've, like you said, just been not seeing him. The decision-making was much better. I mean, that was a big issue last year and it was much better outside. The one thing uh, no one asked about it. And one thing that scared me though, is when I see him leaping over five guys trying to dive for that first down, like, come on, man, (laughs) not week one, not week one. Yeah. You
1: know, he's going to do that. That's just type of,
2: Guy, he is. Yeah,
1: you know? he's gonna do that. Uh, but that's why everybody like him. You know, not many quarterbacks are willing to do that type of stuff, and it does galvanize a team. You know, as a leader, when you when you're doing that type of stuff, people like that type of stuff. You know, you play your teammates like it, because it's the quarterback stigma that you know you're gonna slide and take care of your body and whatnot. And he's diving over people. People like that, but you know, I don't. I didn't think he played bad at all. Uh, um, you know, there, like I said, there was. There were a couple few inaccuracies uh, on the tape, but at the end of the day, again, we don't know why though. Like we can easily say, and he's going to say, he should have made the throws, and maybe he should have. And you always teach quarterbacks see the see the angle, hit the angle, no matter what the guy's running. See his angle and be able to hit the angle and be accurate with the ball. But at the end of the day, we don't know, you know, what they got going on in the room as far as you know the 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 camaraderie and the the, the chemistry. So, um, it's going to continue to get better. But, you know, like I said, when I was watching the tape, I was like, ah, you know, pretty decent performance. But if you look at the,
2: the stats, that's 300, over 300 yards past. <laughs> you don't do that on accident.
1: Yeah. You know, so, um, you know, it's, I know for a Kentucky fan, just to be completely frank, you know, it was hard for me to watch Kentucky football the past, you know, before last year. Because yes. you know, I'm a guy who I like to see passing. It's just hard for me to watch guys, you know, teams that just running the ball every snap. Uh, but now, like I, I look forward every week to watching because I know they're going to throw the ball. Yep. Uh, and that's just that's just fun to see, you know, especially when you got a guy like that and you got receivers like they have and you got O line like they're going to be. You know, that's that's fun to see because they got the they got the talent to do it. And I don't think 300 yards passing for him. As we saw yesterday or or Saturday, I don't think that'll be like an anomaly. I think they got the structure on offense where you know he could he could average, you know, in the high two hundreds and throw for three hundred a few times this year. So they have that type of structure on offense where they can do that. But um, you know, just got to continue to keep coming together.
0: Absolutely. I didn't mean to jump in, and No, you're good. Stoops talked about. Uh, at different points in times, which, you know, we saw the spark with the kickoff return. We saw the, the turnover on defense. There are times where, you know, they didn't have that edge. The guys got a little yeah. flat, didn't have that energy. Is that something the, the coaches try to drive in, or will kind of the older guys kind of make sure that everybody's, which everybody's kind of got their, their head in the game and hyped like they should be, which shouldn't be a problem going to Florida. I don't you know. think so. <laughs> Is that a coach thing, or is that the older guys in the locker room gonna have to? Hey, let's let's get this let's get this hyped up like it should be. I think it's a combination of both.
1: I think what you want though in the football team, and this is one thing that um, you know Stoops always talk about. You know, back when he first got there, we, what we didn't have is that type of leadership. And I'm not gonna you say we didn't have. We had guys who were leaders, but the consistency of the leadership and the number of leaders that we you know, it was a different culture we were coming into. So uh, I think now they got a, a, they got, I mean, like three or four linebackers that they got to be 22 years old, you know, they're older guys, yep. um, you know, quarterback, that's a veteran, older guy. Um, you know, so usually, you know, as a coach, you always say if the, co- if the leadership is coming from the coaches, then that's good. But if it's coming from the players, that's great. We need it from the players. Um so I think they have that. So I think it was a combination of both. Um, I think, to be honest with you, first game, you know, you you know, you usually come out pretty fired up. But at the end of the day, it's the difference between playing Miami of Ohio and playing yeah. Florida in the swamp um, in front of 100 grand. So um, that's that's the big difference, you know. So. Um, I think I think next week, you know, he he won't say that in his press conference. If they don't, if they don't, because if they're not successful, it won't be because of a lack of lack of juice and you know strain and whatnot that he's you know he talked about. It won't be because of that. You know, if 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 anything goes wrong, so um, it's one of those things, man. You know, at the end of the day, the, the kids are not. They're not. They're not stupid. You know, they know that Miami of Ohio doesn't have the players that they have in their roster. Yeah. And yeah. you want them to be self-driven and not think about that and just, you know, play extremely hard anyway. But uh human nature sets in sometimes. Yeah.
2: And I think I think part of it, too, is and Stoops even even suggested it might be is this is the first year. Kentucky's not being disrespected, not nearly as much. I mean, they're they're predicted to finish second ahead of Tennessee and Florida in the East. They're projected, uh, they start the season in the top 25, you know. Yeah. uh, A lot of good vibes around the program. You had, you know, Chris Doring go out and projected an 11 in one year. I mean, there's a lot of buzz, but I think one thing, you know, in addition to obviously playing Florida coming off what they just did, there's going to be buzz going into their house and all that is, you know, you're back to being the underdog. Florida just had an amazing win over Utah, all the credit to them, Uh, and now they're the darling again. You know, everyone thinks the program's back after that one game. Uh, The fan base is completely bought in. And then you got – you look at the line, and Florida's a touchdown favorite. And it goes back to right – and Mark Stoops has said it. He loves flying under the radar. And you can kind of go right back to that mindset this weekend.
1: Oh, yeah, 100%. And that's – and honestly, as a coach, that's what you want. I mean, you don't – that's why you always hear Nick Saban, you know, talking about rap for them and (laughs) making sure he get on, you know, he get on the reporters from, you know, at the end of the day reporters are doing their job, but uh, the people who, you know, write the columns and the reporters, they're going to do their job. But as a coach, you just hate it because, you know, the kids are on social media, players on social media, they see it. Uh, So, again, human nature, man. You're fighting against human nature a lot of the time, so um, I think that's that's the big thing. But you know, going like again, I don't I don't think it would make a difference if Kentucky was a favorite. You know, I don't think it would make a difference if you know they're not going into that environment. You know, on a Saturday uh, playing in front of that crowd, you know, you you know what you know what's going on with that man. So you, you better. <laughs>
0: and to your point, you talked about all the 22 year old linebackers you know deandre square included in that bunch um they're healthy on that side of the ball but you know you had was a right been out the first game square was playing some outside linebacker uh weaver ended up being inside on a few plays so you know they 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 got hit in the mouth on that first drive and then they you know kind of got their feet underneath them but uh First of all, credit to Square for being that versatile to step out there when that's not even his position. Yeah. And you kind of like what you what we're gonna think we're gonna see once you get all the guys back where they normally play, too. Yeah, and I, you know, and just watching it,
1: the defense is so multiple. <laughs> like I mean, as an offensive coordinator, watching Kentucky's defense, it would be a nightmare to prepare for because um, they do they do so much in a scheme. It's, it's kind of complex, um, and, you know, they run that, that three-four hybrid scheme um, that can morph into a five-man front, that can morph into a four-man front, uh, and they got, you know, very versatile guys running it, very veteran guys at linebacker that's running it. That makes it tough on the offense. So, um, I think, you know, again, I think the best is ahead for that defense. They're going to continue to get better because uh, they just they got the leadership they got i mean it's just good defensive coordinator obviously coach Stoops is a defensive guy so you know at the end of the day he has a lot of say so in that it, it's complex it's good stuff Uh so like I said they're not gonna really prepare for but you know the, the elephant in the room this week is gonna be containing 15 yeah uh at the end of the day that's that's the elephant in the room and and yeah. i got some bold predictions about that that
2: i oh yeah yeah. I, want, I, I want to hit one point on the defense, then I want to get to that. The t- t- One, you mentioned Jaquez Jones, I thought was the best player on the field. I mean, he was flashing all over the first play of the game, made up pressure, had a sack. He was awesome. And then I think the only player I came away a little bit concerned with, and one of the calls was awful, was Carrington Valentine. Uh, just, you know, you look at – he was on hip and, hamper, hip, hip and hammer most of the game, uh, seven catches, 85 yards for him. Uh, and you know, the PI that was uncatchable, that's a brutal break. What are you gonna do? Uh, I thought the PI closer to the end zone was pr- it could have gone either way, it was justified, but he allowed some big plays again. So, all some of the same things, uh, from last year also had one really nice pass breakup, I think, in the second quarter. So, do you, I mean, he has to be the cornerback one on this team. What do you kind of see from him, uh, from a quarterback's perspective?
1: Yeah, I see, I see a guy as you know again, has the ability. Yeah. Uh, so, at the end of the day, that's what they recruit. I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, they got to <laughs> recruit guys that got got the ability. So, I don't think it's a big deal. I don't think they're worried about it. Um, I think uh, the coverage was – I saw soft on uh, a couple plays. And that's just one thing, you know, if you watch certain teams and, you know, uh, we played Alabama in my sophomore in Kentucky. Certain teams like Georgia, Alabama, they're always – Playing very uh, very tight coverage, you know. It's a lot of man match stuff. Kentucky got into some like soft zone uh, on Saturday, which is good, which is fine. But you're going to give up certain things. Um, and but you know, the tighter man match coverages, you know, when you give stuff up, a lot of times it's a big play because it's, it's more man principle. So um, I don't I don't look I don't think it's a, a big deal to be honest with you. You know, it's again. He had a, he got a couple bad breaks, in my opinion. Uh, and you know, I think I think he'll, I think he'll be good. I don't I don't see that being a big deal. Um, and again, you're going into Florida, so the, the level of focus that they're gonna have is gonna be pretty high. So I think they'll be I think they'll be fine.
0: You said you wanted to see those those predictions. He already teased it a little bit, Aaron. He said <laughs> the the predictions for containing 15. That that's what you.
1: No, I, I was getting more into, uh, you know, yes, that's the, that's the, they're they're in the office right now, meeting, trying to figure out how to contain it, uh, yeah. and, and they're on the practice field right now talking about it, cause, and I just got done watching Greg McElroy's podcast, and he was talking about how um, he may be, you know, he may he resembled kind of like a Vince Young type, uh, but I think this dude is this dude is different. You know, with his size, speed, how fluid he is and his movements, how relaxed he is when he's making those plays, it look effortless when he's playing out there. I think uh, I think you know, if if Florida were to have a good year and offense were to have a, a good year, I wouldn't doubt that he would be in the Heisman yeah. conversation yeah. at some point this year. I think he's that type of player. Um, mm. uh, you know, I'm not saying he's gonna win the Heisman or make it to the, New York, but you know mm-hmm. I wouldn't doubt that they mentioned his name along with Heisman candidates at some point in the year. I think he's that type of player. They got good running backs. Uh, they seem to have a, a a very cohesive style offense. The play calling seems to be very complimentary. Um, when I watched them, so they're going to be tough to stop, especially with that quarterback. But that's the number one priority. If, if you can't let him beat you. Somebody else got to beat you um, when it comes to when it comes to Florida's offense.
2: Yeah, <laughs> uh, that's easier said than done with this kid. Do you think you obviously don't want to let him beat with your legs, but is he a type of guy you want to make throw the ball? I mean, obviously you can make the problem is he's a, he, he's a pretty accurate thrower. He makes most of the throws, but you know it still seems like that part of his game is still to be developed a little more than than it is mobility wise. I mean, just when we saw him a little bit last year, the mobility was never a question.
1: Yeah, I think uh I think he definitely can throw the ball. He can throw a pretty accurate. But I think the way you, I think you got to box him in. Yeah, box him in. You can't, you can't rush over rush him. You can't rush past him. Uh, you got to have, you know, temporary spies on him. You got to, you know, because he's that type of player. I just really believe that. Um, but at the end of the day, I'm not going to allow him, if I were coaching defense, to beat me running the ball. I'm going to make him beat me. If he's going to beat me, he's going to beat me sitting in the pocket, throwing the ball. Uh, and that goes for any quarterback who has good wheels. I'm going to make you sit in the pocket and beat me with a thing that's probably not your strength. I'm not saying that he's not good at it because he is. He's good at throwing the ball. But obviously what, what drives defensive coaches crazy is uh, quarterback scrambling, making big plays, sure. and quarterback run game. Uh, how do you account for that? So if I had to guess, we would see a lot more single high man-type coverage in certain situations to get more guys in the box uh, for him, because you know when you run the quarterback, you got an extra blocker with the running back. So I would say you know they will have to make an adjustment with that, but it's it's a fine line because again you know he can beat you throwing it, so um, but you can't let him beat you running it. So it's it's tough. That's why that's why the game is going where where it's going. And if I had to guess, Will Levis gonna have to carry the ball a few times and some oh, of these yeah. games to to get him over the top. You know, at the end of the day, that's what it is when you play good teams. If you quarterback and carry the ball, you know, you get an extra element that, you know, that's hard to game plan for. So this is gonna be a good game, man. It's gonna be two good quarterbacks that's gonna
0: eventually be draft picks. Um, so it's gonna be a good game, I think. Sure, sure. I'm gonna, I'm gonna switch it up, of course. We focus on Kentucky and uh, that's the whole foundation of the podcast for sure. But you know, we we peep at every you know, you, you talk talked about watching Florida, we all peep at other games to see what's going on. You talked about how hard it was to watch Kentucky, you know, when they were pretty much all run all the time. How tough is it to be, and we just saw these guys in Citrus Bowl, to be an Iowa fan, two <laughs> safeties, to, to, to win women.
2: Oh, man. Yeah,
1: I, I, I think y'all know my answer to that. Right? <laughs>
2: that Change that the is, channel.
1: Yeah, that is. I don't. I don't see how people watch it, man. And look, I was a good program. To make, you know, that's the crazy thing. It's typically, a good program, but man, uh, <laughs> that's 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 bad. You know, that's that's bad. But it was, it was bad last year, really. You know, their they, offense was terrible. Yeah, they were. They were just so good everywhere else that uh, you know, it, it kind of masked it a little bit. So you kind of, it was kind of on the back burner. Uh, but yeah, I, I you know if I'm a Big Ten defensive coordinator, I'm like, we you know this yeah I'm playing cover zero. I mean, I'm, I'm making them I mean uh, yeah, oh. They not beat me.
2: That was like the dud though. I mean, there was the games this weekend for week one. Uh, were pretty outrageous. I thought. I mean, made the two most hype games. I mean, Ohio State. Notre Dame was okay. Obviously, Ohio State pulled away. Georgia killed Oregon. But, I mean, that LSU game last night, Ooh, oh, my that goodness, was crazy. Was crazy to, 99-yard drive and then gets blown up by a blocked extra point. You had the extra point miss in the NC State uh, ECU game. You had uh, a two-point conversion drop to App State, NC State. Just, I mean, a while. And, obviously, the, the um, backyard brawl, starting it all off, it, it was just so good to have college football back.
1: Yeah, what you know, would, would y'all kick the extra point in that situation with LSU, or would you go for two? With,
2: I, the, I, with, the, with the momentum, you know, you 99 yard drive yeah, or That's what I'm, typically I'm a go, I'm a just kick it and let's play overtime guy. Like I know Steven Johnson was banged up, but I remember being upset during the uh the music city bowl that you know stoops didn't just take the point uh and send it that game to overtime, but With, like you said, the momentum, 99 yard drive, defense is tired. You know, I mean, you have all the momentum in the world. Just go for the win. Uh, And that could be, that would have been such a huge win, I think, for Brian Kelly, who's taken so much crap, a lot of it, rightfully so, this offseason. That would have been like a program momentum changing victory. uh, And to, you know, you don't count on an extra point being blocked. But yeah, in theory, I, I go for it too. I mean, too much momentum there.
0: I think I would have yeah. kicked it because it's a miracle that you're in position to tie the game. I mean, it's it's 17 to 3. It's 24 to 10. Florida State had the nail in the coffin, and they, they gift-wrapped. I mean, they don't on the goal line to make it, to put it out of reach. So you go 99 yards to even get there. I'm like, go ahead and kick it. I think if they kick it and tie it, they win over time. They could have went for two and got it. We'll never know. If they had made the extra point, which they didn't, I think they win in overtime. So I think I would have kicked it because I'm like, look, we just lucky to even be going to overtime. It's
1: true. Yeah, I'm, I'm, ahead.
0: Definitely, I'm definitely
1: kicking the extra point. He out of 100. And, that, and why I say that because, again, the momentum is going to spill over to overtime because you got yeah. Florida State. Florida yes. State is like, scared now I mean they were you know,
0: devastated
1: they had the game won I mean, you nine had yards. Like, yeah, yeah, Greg McElroy even saying they should let them score when they when, when Florida <laughs> State had the ball inside the five, they should just let them score so they can get <laughs> right. more time right so you know Florida State is they they can't believe that they're in this situation so I'm kicking an extra point in theory going into overtime obviously that didn't happen yeah uh, but that's what I would do because I, I think you got the momentum even in overtime but man that's that's crazy that's a that's, a see, one, and that's
2: the and only credit, team that took hill. That's the, right. And yeah. cre- credit, to, credit to Florida State, though. I mean, you know, they were tired and all that and pissed off probably. But, you know, they kept with it on special teams to make a huge play. Uh, they didn't want that game to overtime, and they made that big play. But, yeah, you're right. Only SEC team to lose. And Vander. the one stat, SEC-wise, that stood out to me funny Last year, Vanderbilt, it took them till week eight to get to 105 points, and they're already there uh, two weeks into the year, even though they gave up 31 to Elon. <laughs>
0: they got, yeah, Vanderbilt sorry. got – I saw the other tweet. Vanderbilt has two wins before LSU. <laughs> like, has one. <laughs> that's what world are we living in. And
2: yeah.
0: uh, also part of the Believe Podcast Network, uh, Are You Serious Sports? They do the LSU. Blake uh, Rafino. he tweeted out, he said, we – we sold our soul to win that 2019 chip, and that's basically. <laughs> <laughs> I feel, I feel bad for oh, them.
2: <laughs> What a roster that was!
1: Yeah, that 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 was crazy. You know that. But again, it go. It's like the 2013 Florida State National Championship. I mean, everybody on the field got drafted. You yep. know, so it's, you know. But uh, um, yeah, we I, I don't think and, and Auburn should have won game that.
0: Game. Auburn should have won that game. Absolutely.
1: Yeah, Auburn, yeah. Last second, you know, last minute I mean, drive.
0: Don't try to jump that route well, and Auburn
2: wins. Yeah. <laughs> and the, the point you just made is why what Georgia did is insane. Everyone on that team last year, pretty much NFL, they're gone. 15 draft picks, nine starters on defense, 10, if you count, you know, the Adam Anderson situation and 49, three <laughs> against the Oregon, yeah, Good Oregon team.
1: Well, yeah. yeah. I told people, I, I was like, Oregon's not real. I mean, but, I, I, again, I told people a month ago about this. I was like, people are writing Georgia – they they weren't writing Georgia off, but they were, like, ranking Georgia lower than Alabama. I don't – I think that's so disrespectful. Like, if a team won a national championship, obviously they're recruiting very well. And if you track everything that Georgia's been doing, returning three tight ends, returning a starting quarterback who's been there for yep. 17 years, uh, <laughs> you know, great head coach. They've been yes. at the top of the recruiting chain. Uh, for the last three or four years, they've been right there at the top. I don't think how do you rate them number three? I don't get it. Like yes, they had draft draft picks, but in my opinion, if they've been recruiting that well, that means they have the Alabama effect. The Alabama effect is it don't matter what, next year they're still gonna be very, very good. You know, so you can't I don't think you can rank a national champion number three, especially not now. This is a one year wonder type team like 2019 LSU. Yeah, That's, It was kind of a one-year wonder type thing. So, yes, they dropped. But a team like Georgia returning as quarterback, returning three tight ends, returning – I mean, they're returning too much. I, I don't see how you drop them in the rankings. I still think Georgia's the best team in the country right now. Um, I, better than Alabama. I just think when you look at them, they just play on another level on defense. And oh, now yeah. the offense – I mean, Stetson Bennett, I always thought he was pretty decent. Now, he's like really good, at least against Oregon. Now, Oregon could be, <laughs> like, not good at all, for all we know. Obviously, the Pac-12 is very watered down now. But, um, but you know, he, he played really, really well. Uh, I think people are, you know, I don't know why they thinking Georgia, you know, won't be back in that conversation. You know, I know some yeah. people are talking back there, but
0: they're a scary team. Absolutely. It's scary. Well, y'all got – some more thoughts to get in before we wrap this episode up. Y'all got them all in or any little?
2: I think the last one I have is your guys' thoughts on this 12-team playoff that will start taking shape here in a few years. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's why I asked it. <laughs> <laughs>
1: hey, I, I I I guess, you know, I mean, I, I can see why, they, why they're doing it. At the end of the day, it's, it's – it's revenue generation is what it is. 1,000%. Um,
2: you know,
1: at, at, at the end of the day, it's is what it is. But in my opinion, at the end of the day, it's going to be five teams that preseason legitimately have a shot to win an next championship. Yep. Are you always going to have a team, a Cinderella-type team, and now you open the door for a Cinderella tournament-type deal? Sure. With this 12-team playoff? But at the end of the day, you know, Ohio State is going to be somewhere in that mix. Georgia, Alabama is going to be somewhere in that mix. Um, Oklahoma is going to be somewhere in that mix, who I think has a chance to make the playoffs this year with the four. Oh, me too. Uh, I think Oklahoma is really good, you know, and they have a really good quarterback with a really good coordinator and a really good head coach and a really good defense. Um, but I just think the same, I mean, we're talking the same teams. Yes. <laughs> yes, just going to be more exciting. You know, now, now, you know, as I say that, teams like Kentucky can get in there, right? Yeah. Team, You know, because at the end of the day, I still think Georgia's so far, far ahead of everybody in the East. I'm not saying they're unbeatable, but on paper, Georgia is in the SEC Championship game again. Let's just yes. call it what it is. 100%. But obviously, the reason why they play the game, you got to play the game. You know, Georgia plays Kentucky at Kentucky this year. Uh, South Carolina plays Kentucky at Kentucky this year. You know, now uh, Kentucky, I go to Tennessee, but, you know, so there's going to be teams like a Kentucky type team um, that can make a playoff. Um, and I don't, you know, things, things crazy happen all the time, you know, crazy stuff can happen, but um, I'm not saying they can't make it in the 14 playoff, but you got those teams like Texas, who's going to be on the rise, who yeah. going to be happy to have a 12 team playoff. Who they're also joining the sec and they're gonna take some l's in the sec, but eventually, you know, teams like Texas AM, Texas, Oklahoma, USC, Michigan, uh, Michigan, even a Penn State, they're gonna yep. be happy to have that 12 team playoff. So, yes, is it gonna be good games? Yes, am I gonna watch the games? Hell, yes, <laughs> at, the, at the end of the day, there's about five teams every year, and I'll add a Cinderella, I'll add a plus one.
2: Uh-huh.
1: To realistically win a national championship, mm-hmm. and if you really want to be harsh, there's three every year that can really. Realistically- I agree. You know, so and look at
2: last year. It was, I mean, good. Good job, Cincinnati, but it was really yeah. the other three teams in the I dance.
1: Yeah. USC is going to USC is going to come up. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, not this year,
2: but eventually they're coming.
1: Yeah, they're going to – They're and I give them two years and USC is going to be a problem. Yeah. Uh, Texas is going to be a problem in two years. Um, you know, so, yes, the 12-team playoff, yes, it helps those guys. But I, I still stand by my statement that, you know, you got five teams plus one as a Cinderella team that can beat anybody sometime, on any given day. But outside of that, you know, you got going to – it's going to be a feel-good story for six other teams that's just going to get in there and get their head beat in. Um, Agreed
2: 100%. Yeah,
0: so that's it well we also gotta before we wrap the episode up we gotta talk about our friends at lots of rain lots of rain watches been doing their thing for a long time dave and ben it's an investment that lasts for ages lots of range curated collection of men's and women's watches is a perfect investment that lasts for years to come you got accessories you got watch for men women uh the atlas the seafarer so many different styles go to the site and check it out Hit that chat with us button if you got any questions about the watch you want to purchase, they will respond and answer those questions so you can make an informed decision about the timepiece you're about to buy lotterrain.com la t o u r a I n e.com so definitely tell them you heard about them by listening to the believing Kentucky podcast got aaron gershon doing his thing for the cats the cats started by oscar (laughs) Combs that every kentucky fan knows about and subscribe to at some point in their lifetime got jalen whitlow got the link tree on his twitter jay whitlow underscore two got the btg quarterback training got books he's written he's an author two times over so follow these guys on twitter check out what they're doing we all come together to bring you this podcast And Jalen dropping knowledge, Aaron dropping knowledge, Aaron covering practice and press conferences, and Jalen watching the interviews and watching the film, and all of us trying to bring our perspective here uh, to Believe in Kentucky. Go to bleed.com to get every episode, and also a sea of blue, because our homies Jason Markman and the fellas put these episodes up on their site as well, so check them out there. Go back and listen to what we talked about a week or two or three ago. Check this one out going forward, and look forward to bringing you more. Look forward to this Saturday in the swamp. Hoping we can come back talking about the cats going 2-0 overall and 1-0 in the SEC. So, fellas, man, it's been a lot of fun. Appreciate y'all's knowledge, and we'll do it again real soon. Y'all come back and listen to us here on Believe in Kentucky.